0: 're gonna have a real good time together we're gonna have a real good time together we're gonna laugh the child together have a real good time together
1: na.
2: Well, welcome back, everyone. It's Jokerman Podcast again. I'm Evan. I'm Ian. And it's Tyler Wilcox, everybody, making
3: his triumphant w- w- uh, three. Second, I think at least four Is it three?
1: <laughs> I don't know actually. It's definitely
3: more than two they, You came on for Kansas City oh, 02 for Bob That was the first one Shadow Kingdom We did the the Lou uh, oh, 1976 right. bootleg Okay, four times I was thinking it was three There you go So okay. one, one of the returning champions of the program Woo. Yeah What do I get?
4: Yeah, what, what, do we
2: have like a title? We'll send
3: something? you a $5 Starbucks gift card in the mail after <laughs> that <laughs> I'll be wonderful uh, uh, but we couldn't think of it. I, I realize you're kind of uh, you've become accidentally even like our our ringer, our go-to for live performances because uh the, the first one we had you on was a Bob live show. Shadow Kingdom was a pseudo kind of live-ish performance. Uh, the Lou bootleg obviously at the Roxy from '76 was almost too live. Uh, and here we are today, uh, once again talking about Lou Reed live in Italy.
4: Read live in Italy. Mamma mia. Yeah. Well, that's right. Mia. I do like the opening
3: for it where it's like, Lou, read. <laughs> Good. Um, uh-huh. But uh, yeah, you know, here we are. We've uh, we've talked blue mask. We've talked legendary hearts. And uh, now we're going to hear Lou play music from both those records and pretty much all the Velvets big hits uh, with the uh, the Quine era band Uh, Just rocking and rolling right over there in Italy. I love the way this sounds and just the band sounds because it's just like so clean and crisp and like rock song sound. Like there isn't any sort of put on. There's no wacko Don Cherry on the horn. There's no Lou screaming and convulsing on stage. It's just like these are rock songs.
2: It's lean. When people say something's lean and mean,
3: that's what this is. That's what we got going on. What do you think about this general era in in the long and twisted career of Lewis Allen Reed Tyler.
4: Oh, I love it. I mean, I'm, I'm a big blue mask booster. Um, and I'm, you know, just a big Quine, uh, fan Him with Richard hell is, you know, some of my favorite, favorite music. Um, and yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I think it's, I think it's a pretty, you know, it's, it's a rich area for Lou, um, coming out of, coming out of the seventies and sort of returning to his live performance. I mean, he really did take off like quite a bit of time. I mean, he, he, I think he stopped in 1980 and then didn't play until these shows, which is early 1980 or early 1983 to the summer of 1983. Mm. Um, And yeah, it's, I mean, it is just kind of amazing, like having him emerge from the seventies and, be sober, um, and be alive and have this. (laughs) It's amazing that he's alive. (laughs) Yeah. I can't believe it. it. I can't believe I'm alive.
3: That's right. I heard that somewhere before.
4: (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, I mean, it is, it's a cool, it's a cool band. And like you said, yeah, it's like this incredibly, uh, it's a return to that very, um, minimal lean, uh, garage, garage band sound, two guitars, bass and drums. That's
3: Don't need all, any more than that.
4: All he, all he really wanted.
3: And no viola. No viola. No, yeah, certainly no viola. Uh, yeah. It's very much a zag away from where things were heading in this era, you know, of, uh, of legacy, longtime rock stars getting increasingly kind of convoluted in terms of production and song structure and bands. Think
2: Peter
3: you know. Gabriel. Like, sure. Live, Peter like... Gabriel. Or, think of Bob's tour. <laughs> Uh, the 84 tour, when he put together like the McTaylor band and it has that sure. huge kind of butt rock sort of sound. This is like the, the exact opposite of that. It's also the exact opposite of John Live in this era, which we're going to get to uh, on our next episode. Is it the uh, exact
2: opposite of John Live? I
3: think that it is. I mean, that's he, lean and mean. I don't think so. I, think. Uh, so I, I, I guess so. I mean, I don't know. It, I, just, no, uh,
2: but you're, you're forgiven because John's playing the piano, and also, like...
3: Just think of the, the set list on that John record and the way that John is performing. There's so much, um, you know, it's a very it's an acquired taste, I would say. And this Lou record, to me, I think is actually, like, a really, like, easy-to-listen-to kind of incarnation of all of it. You know, insofar as White Light, White Heat, and Sister Ray can ever be easy to listen to, I think this is as good, you know, as, as easy as it
2: gets. I think some people might find it a little too easy. You know, like a bit spartan uh now by today's standards um it is so stripped down and so guitar forward um that as direct it as it is which is definitely its strength that you're speaking to um ian i think that there it, it is also almost um a bit terse and uh, dry for maybe some people's tastes but for for folks like us who just want their rock songs on the rocks, or with with no chaser, uh, or just uh, you know simple. I was thinking we, like, this is the
3: equivalent done. of you going to In and Out and ordering your wimpy style hamburger, <laughs> with just a beef patty and raw yeah. onion. This it is. is th- yeah. if, that, if that hamburger was a rock and roll record, it would be this record.
2: <laughs> Are we going to talk about that for a second? I I, do, I get a lot of flack for this, uh, Tyler. I, I I'll go to In and Out and get like. Three or four hamburgers with just a whole of raw onion on it, like the round.
3: Yeah. That's it.
2: And uh, that's it. And not,
3: not even mustard.
2: No, right. because uh, sick it's, man. It, what it is, is it's, it's fundamental. It's, I call it either wimpy style or, or depression style. And um, it's, it's, it's a revelation for those who actually try it. But um,
4: yeah, you really get to get to experience the the beef. Is this, yeah, and you, you is, get and to have onion. like three
2: of them. You know, yeah. like they, they don't feel they're not as um, unwieldy. So it, just right, like this right. show. You can like fit in, you know, a, a fucking whole sister ray, and you can get like a satellite of love, and and all of it's doable, all within reach because it's just a couple ingredients making and going into everything.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm. I'm. I i i do not know. I don't know if I'm gonna. I'm trying to
2: convince myself.
3: <laughs> like... An interesting approach to in and out but I guess you know. It's not for the faint of heart. It's a very advanced technique.
2: <laughs> the other advanced technique is you get the um the grilled cheese with uh chopped chilies, whole raw onion, whole grilled. They don't onion. even have
3: chopped chilies right now. Yeah, it's a mm. disaster. I don't even want to get <laughs> oh into God. that.
2: They have. Uh, it's just. Banana pepper rings, which are not hot at all.
4: Jesus Christ!
2: It, they they say there's a shortage of, in the supply chain or something, but I think they're just being cheap.
4: Thank you, Joe Brandon. Yeah, losing that is like would be like losing Fernando Saunders on this. Exactly. You need a little
2: spice,
3: <laughs> little heat.
2: Thankfully, we have Fernando here. We certainly We've got do. The chilies,
3: and let's maybe uh, on that note, let's talk about him and this beautiful band uh, that Lewis put together at this moment. <laughs>
1: let lu ri Lou Reed.
0: Rain is in her I'm in a rock and roll band Riding in a studs big at gym Those were different times The poets that studied Bruce of And those ladies
3: Jane does it get I mean come on this is you love you love to hear it
4: well I mean I feel like is it is it like is is Lou Reed required by law to open <laughs> his live albums with sweet Jane with sweet Jane um, yeah. I mean I guess I guess that that uh, I mean perfect night from the 90s doesn't open with sweet Jane I don't even think it has sweet Jane on it which is well, he's shocking.
2: one he plays it for a minute and then he's like
0: so you thought it was three it's really four watch <laughs>
4: Oh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, um, <laughs> that's uh, an animal, animal language, Yeah, animal, uh, or animal
2: serenade, animal serenade.
4: That's right. Not animal language.
2: An, the animal language. I, I just put that together. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: um, but yeah, no, I mean, Sweet Jane. Yeah, I mean, it's like, like, I mean, you know, signature song. He's got to do it. He's got to like. Um, but this one, I mean, again, yeah, it's like incredibly incredibly lean compared to rock and roll animal or even take no prisoners it's mm-hmm. like like you just does it like there's no <laughs> no nothing
3: yeah
2: yeah barely any lead up there's no like uh i mean it's the it's this is the opposite i mean i think this
3: whole song is about as long as rock and roll man. The, like just the dueling guitar intro to sweet jane on rock and roll animal and he does the whole actual fucking thing just in that uh, you know amount of time it's such a it's really rewarding to me i think listening to this live record coming on the heels of those other live records and the 76 show that we talked about with you tyler cuz he's really like He's like worked backward. He's like devolved from all of this crazy wacko shit he was doing in the seventies, but like in the exact right direction, like it's exactly what I want him to be sounding like at this moment in time. Yeah.
2: Yeah. He's like, it's the audio equivalent of like a black t-shirt, which is, you know what he likes to wear a lot of the time. (laughs) Yeah. It's just black t-shirt music, like belt Black,
3: black denims, jeans, oh. or
2: leather pants. I think they're leather pants, probably. And uh,
3: sunglasses. Just well, Quine's Quine's the yeah, one rocking the. Uh, the sh- I love just on that note, the Quine look mm. is with the, the white look, shirt yeah. uh, and the, the black and... sport coat, and just the fucking dark shades and a cigarette dangling from the lips. Like that is. I, I, I always I, think I, of him as like the coolest, like, you know, be.
4: he would do your taxes so well, Exactly, the, but the then s- he could also shred a guitar solo. It would be amazing.
3: The He'll shred your documents <laughs> and he'll shred, shred your, your face. The exactly. swaggest substitute teacher uh, in the county. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's there is kind of a beatnik thing uh, that he has. I, I feel like if he had a soul patch, it would. Just he did the put, end up putting like,
3: a beard on. I think like early '90s, he kept the the sides and and had a you know kind of a shitty beard. Um, but I don't know. I think this this '83 vintage is exactly the way that he should look. Yeah,
4: yeah, but I mean, it is you know, I mean, just like the sound of the band is interesting, just like because it is you know, I always think of this as being like lose. You know, like he he didn't. I think we even talked about it in in the Roxy episode. But like Lou wasn't a guy who hired like Velvet Underground disciples mostly for his band. He right. wasn't really interested in like. But Quine is the maybe one of the biggest Velvet Underground disciples. It's him and
3: Him and Richmond. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: The the difference. I was thinking about this the other day because on Twitter somebody was pointing out like, hey, like he makes jonathan richmond looked like a like a noob when it comes to the velvet underground apparently he was very quine was rigorous to a an intense degree which i wish i knew more about well i mean you but know again, i mean i
4: think that it, like i mean quine would have said the same thing as richmond he would have said like seeing the velvet underground changed changed my life um and you know like hmm. gave him but i feel like richmond maybe like like figured out how to become his own kind of thing and quine maybe had like seeing the velvet underground gave him such high standards for for music and how to play the guitar and everything was that in it sort of it may have ruined him for <laughs> like like working with people at yeah point. It's, it's
2: really kind of fascinating to see like the two that is like these two paths that diverge where jonathan richmond is inspired by the idea the the energy of the Velvet Underground. He likes to see and he I mean he literally wrote a song yeah. The Velvet Underground about them where he just describes them uh and plays like them a little bit. Um and I think that's a, a totally different thing than being inspired by the I think the the music itself and and its ambition. And Jonathan Richmond seems like somebody who cares about the attitude whereas quine is trying to live up to the, whatever they were in their most uh incandescent moments that's the standard for for performance yeah which is you know the opposite of how jonathan richmond operates yeah.
4: and that's what i mean that's what he wants you know in their collaboration quine wants lou reed to be that guy like he wants him to uh go back and yeah. you know i mean that's a losing battle like i think that's gonna be you're it's gonna be you're going to you're not gonna you know i mean i think he got he got to a certain extent i mean obviously the proof is in the pudding in certain certain instances but like you're not going to be able to get lou reed into the zone that you have made for him it's impossible
2: yeah it's it's tough because they're if he clearly cares so much and yet it's sort of like a don't meet your heroes type thing on like a grand scale where they, they obviously have so much in common about about what they want from the music. But at a certain point it's like Lou Reed doesn't have the same idea about Lou Reed as the biggest Lou Reed fan would. And that kind of creates this weird tension that for a brief moment,
4: didn't fall apart they do hate each other at this point though
3: <laughs> yeah it's in the process of falling apart uh, i think legendary hearts had been cut or was being cut and lou was in the yeah. process of torpedoing mm-hmm. his relationship with quine uh but quine i believe right. uh, as he tells the story you know came out on the road to play these shows in in europe you know for the paycheck um and uh you know you can it's, it's regardless of what was happening off the stage they sound exactly the way you'd want this band to sound um you know on the stage i think that uh, the two of them are able to still lock in and duel together and kind of weave their playing around each other in a really exciting kind of way
4: yeah yeah for sure yeah and then yeah i'm waiting for my man the next sort of like
3: you gotta love like. it this is a very uh, uh uh straightforward interpretation of i'm waiting for my man compared to yeah. the other interpretation of this song that we're going to talk about a little later yeah
4: oh yeah right right yeah the kale kale cover um yeah no this is this is very straightforward i mean it's but it is this sort of thing where you you know you get the sense that this is like holy scripture to quine like he really it's like he's playing the song like his life depends on it Six
0: dollars,
4: baby, He has a great solo in this. Like it's I mean it's very like uh you know compared to any other version of uh waiting for the man that you've heard Lou Reed do since the Velvet Underground broke up, or maybe even during the Velvet Underground. This is like, you know, he's doing very it's like like we're gonna we're gonna jam this out and make it as as straight as possible. A totally. straight line. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You you get that feeling a lot on the classic velvet's material on uh this record um that there's kind of like if there's any uncertainty or if it, if they feel like they're maybe not totally together Lou especially i think his vocals sometimes he's like kind of using his unfamiliarity
1: with the rhythms yeah i think yeah, he's doing no. a great job up there <laughs>
2: I mean, he he pulls it off, but I, when that it's something I've noticed with Lou Reed um, from time to time when he's playing live is like, I think he struggles sometimes to sing and play guitar in rhythm. Um, and so the little the actual phrasing can get.
4: Yeah, I mean, really... I, I think that his, his phrase. He does try to do things with phrasing that maybe is, you know, can be overly ambitious live or he's just sort of, uh, yeah, maybe having a little bit of. You know, but I mean again, I mean it is kind of funny to think of this you know this tour being the first time that he probably was on stage and sober maybe in his life yeah <laughs> um, you know I mean he had done they had done some shows uh, earlier in 83 at the bottom line, but they really hadn't played that I mean they, they hadn't played that much um so it's like this is this is like him actually facing like you know his audience without the aid of any any uh substances Indeed. which is you know i mean it ha- had to be sort of like he probably had to had to psych himself up for it it probably was a stressful thing for him especially uh, playing
3: at the ruins of the circus maximus which yeah, is yeah. where this show talked is about really
4: the, i mean he has a weird relationship with italy too i mean like i feel like every every show that you read about in the 70s it's like like every other show in Italy was canceled because of like riots, you know, or he was taken <laughs> off to jail or, you know, there's like just chaos happening. Um, so having it in this Coliseum, it is like, you're like, is it like blood sport or something for, <laughs> for the Italians to see Lou Reed here? Like just sort of intense, like, uh, gladiator fight.
3: There, there are fiery um, people, the Italians and Lou Reed is a fiery, you know, a fiery performance. So yeah. I mean, I,
4: I would be interested to, you know, hear from, yeah, like, like, Diehard Italian Lou Reed fans,
3: so sort of what he means <laughs> to them. Me too. Um. <laughs> if you know anyone out there, if you're a diehard Italian Lou Reed fan, preferably someone that saw him at the Circus Maximus in 1983, <laughs> get in touch with Juggling Podcast.
2: What, what kind of uh, what kind of a ragu is he? Nah.
3: <laughs> you, well, you sent that picture to me, Evan, of Lou just sitting at a fucking oh, with table pick. with it Literally, it's looks like Mario. It's fettuccine. With a big uh, uh, handful of pasta just like shoved in his oh, face. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh,
2: there's yeah. a similar photo with uh, with John F. Kennedy uh, that you might be aware of. I think that that restaurant is the, the location of the birthplace of fettuccine Alfredo. Wow. <laughs> an, an
3: authentic, <laughs> genuine Italian dish. Every everybody's yeah. everybody's been there yeah it's true martial law martial law so yeah we finally get some legendary hearts but we go straight from New. two just like stone cold velvets all-timer classics to a pretty, like a song that wasn't even out yet i think i guess when he was performing right or maybe had know. just it was, literally it was just come out yeah, i
4: think legendary hearts was out i don't know if it was out in europe maybe it was but um i think it had come out that spring maybe true. um Martial Law is like almost the same song as I'm waiting for my, my man.
3: It does, much. yeah. They kind of, you know, roll pretty seamlessly from one into the other. Yeah. Um this version of martial law, I think, fucking rocks you know, coming on the heels yeah. of uh especially us talk Evan and I talking about talking about Legendary Hearts, which we agreed was uh, you know, had had a lot of stuff to recommend it, but I think does still sound weird in a lot of cases because of what Lou was doing to the mixes and stuff after the fact. Like this this sounds like a rock, like Quine is really there and present, um, and uh, I think it just fucking kicks ass. I declare
0: the juice to so stop your fight, a portion is in. Town. Ah, um I
4: Yeah, it's good. I mean, yeah, and it does it is sort of like you get that sense of whatever. I mean, I assume that this is closer to what Quine would have liked Legendary Hearts to sound like. Totally. Um, which means his guitar is audible. You can hear it, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just Fernando and Success. Lou singing. <laughs> Success. for him. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, it, I, I wouldn't make any arguments for Martial Law being like, you know, an incredible Lou Reed song, but like here it's very exciting. Very cool.
3: I think it's a um, it's a great. I, I think it's like a to me it's becoming more of like a top tier Lou Reed song for the same reason that like it's all good has become one of Evans' top tier Bob oh, songs yeah. or something. Just something that's like kind of like 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 low key and just like not going for too much, not asking too much of the listeners. Yeah. But like you just listen to it and you're just like, yeah, this is good. <laughs> this is good. It's low ambition. He's just having fun, you know? It doesn't all yeah. need to be, uh, you know, uh, killing your father and fucking your mother at this moment in time. Just martial law. Exactly. <laughs> it's the opposite, actually. It's a,
2: it, if you're fooling around doing stuff like that, if you're fucking your mother and, and killing your father... Ace
3: from the 8th Precinct would not be happy about that. He would, <laughs> he would have something to say to you.
2: Stack you in the end, goofy like like Popeye type violence. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. It
4: sounds like a Dick Tracy comic.
2: It's like I'm gonna knock your block off.
4: Yeah, but I mean, you know, I guess we're getting kind of like you know, lose bringing bringing the urban NYC environment to to uh, Circus Maximus, ancient here. Rome, exactly. A real ancient collision. Rome. Well, of you know, I mean, hey. <laughs> Uh, yeah yeah but i love this i mean this is definitely i mean this is i mean i'm gonna go out and say it this is the definitive version
3: of martial law there we go you can take that (laughs) to the bank folks when when tyler wilcox says something is the definitive version of a song in the lou reed discography
4: yeah i don't think he ever did this song after this tour probably yeah (laughs) he was retired
3: uh he had other uh uh he looks like uh, five plays in 85 um but uh and a couple in 84 as well okay. but after okay. that nicks yeah. yeah yeah okay
2: well, cuz he did it he declared martial law and it got it was done after a certain point that's right yeah, yeah there was nothing the else to law. do Laid the law down
3: no need <laughs> We go straight from martial law back into uh, back into crowd pleasing mode with sort of a surprising Classics. song choice to me. I think uh, "Satellite of Love" here. It's a hit. It is a yeah. hit. There's no question uh, about that.
4: Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of. I mean, I don't know. It's it's sort of this one is. Like for a stadium rock kind of song, it might be a little bit, you know, he's taking things down a notch. Um, but I, I mean, I like this version, and I and I'm, I believe it's it's Lou taking taking the lead on this one when he, he sort of he announces it. He says like, "This is what I said," and then he plays this sweet guitar solo. Um, but I really like it. I mean, the, you know, like I like that guitar solo is is pretty great. Um, and it is it is true. It's like this is the return of Lou Reed really is a uh lead guitarist which he did not do a whole lot in the uh in the 70s he left that up to other people but um apparently i mean it was really quine who was like you know you take like take a solo you play the guitar like, exactly. you have to play this you know i'm not going to do it yeah um, so that was you know i mean even that's like a selfless thing for a great guitar player to do but Like, I mean, it was sort of like Quine being like, you are a guitar player. Like, you have to do this. Yeah. Uh, So, I mean, I think that's, you know, admirable.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, The, um, the way the bass sounds, I think just, uh, and and you get this a lot on the records, you know, uh, Blue Mask and uh, Legendary Hearts, which sound, you know, very similar to, to this live record because it's the same set of players. And Fernando obviously is with Lou, you know, for many years after this, but um like, he really kind of comes to the forefront here and almost is kind of commanding the melody on this. Um, yeah. and, uh, and it sounds really cool. Um, and I think it gives this song a different, a very different feel than it has on Transformer. It's just, uh, it's curious to me that Lou would pull this out and Wild Side, which we'll get to later, um, and, you know, off of a record that he, you know, seemed to disavow pretty much immediately. Um and uh and go in very different directions. Like don't like don't you imagine this band playing like shit from Berlin or or um yeah. uh even like rock and roll hearts or something like that, uh as opposed yeah. to transformer material?
4: Yeah, I mean I think it probably is just like I mean, he knew that this was still his his bread and butter. I yeah. mean if he's playing these these pretty decent sized places, I think that it probably was like like I gotta, you know, yeah, I'm you gotta, gonna some hits. Play the hits, yeah. Well, you're right. No, I mean Fernando does sound good on this. It's it's definitely a nice showcase for him.
2: I'm trying to think if there's a version that's softer that was played live ever, but I can't. Nothing comes to mind.
4: He did it with Bono. Remember? Do you guys have you guys heard him? Heard him sing it with Bono? I don't know. That's that kind I have of heard a that. mellow version. When was that? They did it on the um the Zoo TV tour. Oh God. Well, oh, so it was like, like 90s. It was yeah. It was probably 92. And what what would happen every night? They would um beam Lou Reed in. He wasn't doing it live, but he it was like a, a video screen. Mm. So he would duet with Bono. Jesus. Uh, every every night, I think, for the most part. I'm gonna have to look um, at and, <laughs> and it was like it was like Bono <laughs> would go into a high falsetto and uh Lou would be like satellite of love. Uh, this sounds um, fucking bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it for you.
1: I
3: love to watch things on Zoo TV Didn't they just announce a Zoo TV like yeah, they got are going to Vegas It's a
2: new uh, Octung baby mm-hmm. tour um, it's yeah. not a tour, it's like a residency Whatever.
3: at the sphere. It's, yeah, it's a residency. It's like Vegas. a giant spaceship. We
2: have uh, one Stephen Haydn on our podcast now, so like we're yeah. going to have yeah. to like talk about you too. You realize that, Ian, right?
3: Yeah, that's true. I'm prepared <laughs> yeah. to do it, man. Uh, all <laughs> that you can't leave behind uh, that like 2000 era uh, U2 record was played one million times in my parents' cars around that era, so I know every fucking in and out of that, uh, that goddamn record.
2: Well, you're gonna learn a lot probably more about the uh about the ones right before that you're gonna you're gonna yeah. love lemon
3: you're
2: gonna love that song
4: all right
1: <laughs> hey man
4: yeah i mean i you know i could probably talk to steven about it. I, I i mean i saw the zoo tv uh tour at dodger stadium in 1993 wow i, I, had, hor- I had horrible seats and i wasn't <laughs> i think that it was it was one of those things where i had bought tickets so far in advance maybe i was in seventh grade or something but like it took like a year for the show to actually happen And by the time the show rolled around, I wasn't that into you two anymore. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like an
3: unforgettable night.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. The Satellite love.
2: Okay, Kill Your Sons.
4: Uh, This is a highlight
2: for me. I I like this so much better than the record version.
4: Sally can't dance. Um, yeah, I might too. I mean I think that I think the end rave up is insanely great. Um, vocal is incredible. Uh,
2: yeah, I mean I just yeah. think Kill Your Sons really benefits from a straight ahead approach yeah. because it's so um, you know it's so heavy and direct.
3: It sounds like a song that would be on the blue Mass, like lyrically mm-hmm. spit Like the yeah. subject, like this sounds like similar to Lou's writing style at that time. Oh, it sounds and like actually.
4: waves of fear on this exactly, pretty much. exactly.
0: Don't you know
3: your son,
0: don't you know you're gonna kill, kill your son, don't you know you're gonna kill, kill your son, and to the run, run, run,
1: run, run, run.
0: Know what to do about
4: took an and table. heavy oh, and heavy, heavy it. rock song it's like yeah a very like inspired choice for this band i think because i don't think he was playing this song very, i mean i'm not even sure if he played it at all in the 70s really um but to bring it back is is great i would be interested to know if that was like quine saying like like we gotta we gotta do that one and do it yeah. do it yeah, right yes. kind of uh right it's possible but yeah no i love i love the feedback duel at the end it's great
2: talking about legendary hearts and home of the brave has those lines uh the daughters and the sons lost in the home of the brave and i feel like his attachment to this song there's something maybe uh connecting those like thematically like his the this idea of i mean to i know we're just talking about rock and roll uh shredding uh on this <laughs> uh, so forgive me but i i couldn't help but get um analytical there about the connection between that. And the the fact that I think, you know, he, I, he wouldn't play that song, but this song, I feel like channels some of that energy into like a righteous anger. And it's kind of at a uh, uh, sort of about some similar themes, generational but,
4: conflict but, happening. Yeah. And like, you
2: just sort of this, the lack of uh, concern and care for the, uh, for the helpless. Yeah. and And this song, you know, is, the, what you would do if you wanted to not play fucking home of the brave, but uh, it's a much be better dirge. choice
3: to play live at this moment in yeah. time. Also home what the,
2: what is, the home of the brave is not Italy. It is, it is America. <laughs>
4: that's
3: right. They're all cowards over yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. That's exa- that's what I
2: meant.
1: Ian. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah. You're going to have to have to edit out the the
3: Italian, Italian bashing. I'm I'm glad that we're getting into uh, dunking on other European countries because it's usually <laughs> just the just British. The British. Yeah. Uh, so it, we're we're equal opportunity uh, American chauvinists, okay, folks. Great, great. Um, <laughs> Tyler does not avow any of this. If you want to get angry, get angry at us. Tyler's totally cool with all people from the Italian peninsula. Right. Um, well, and then we go back into the uh, back into the legendary hearts material with betrayed. betrayed. Again, sort of a weird. A weird pick yeah. to me, uh because this is we're slowing it back down again here, and it betrayed to me is like one of the ones that sort of really flies under the radar on Legendary Hearts. It's like smack dab there in the middle of the record. It's not towards the beginning with the title track and Martial Law. It's not towards the end with Bottoming Out and Home of the Brave and uh, Rooftop Garden. It's just like another song on Legendary. I like Hearts. it. I mean, I, I I've um, always kind of liked it, and I
4: and I probably like this version better because of i mean i think it actually is one of those things where you think of quine as being this you know like sort of proto punk and then post-punk and then you know sort of like this very but like it shows off that he, he could be like a great country rock guitarist too
1: and i lay down betrayed
0: us are in this bed this night of infamy one of us lies on our back her father's in a hand and quick she turns as she slaps my face and with her eyes open wide she screams i hate you i hate you i hate you but she's looking right by me
4: that's a good point he has very cool lines on this. And they, I mean, they come across a lot stronger on this version. I like this song though. I mean, I, I, lo- I love the uh, you know, like maybe it's the last verse where it's like, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. Yeah. That's like, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel I feel like it's like a good um it's sort of, you know, like it has like the trappings of being like kind of like Lou doing a sort of faux country song, and then it sort of stops you with those, maybe that verse makes you kind of pay attention to it a little more.
2: It's like yeah. Sam Shepard, uh, again, like his uh, influence may be uh, on here, even if it's not literally here. It, yeah, it could be. He, he seems to kind of he uh, he pops up all all along the watch. Uh, <laughs> he, he pops <laughs> okay. up all all around um, in in Lou and, and Bob and Dylan. Addie yeah, Smith. I mean, there's
4: it's all. Yeah.
2: Um, and this song definitely has some of that, like the, that kind of fusion of like greek tragedy and and country stuff um yeah do you know about that version of it that he did where it's like some live event with chris christopherson at the bottom line it's like oh does he play it there yeah 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 and it's it's this like acoustic solo version it's really funny
3: yeah
4: yeah chris probably liked that one yeah exactly <laughs> it's like i wish i wrote that song
3: yeah i guess yeah you know, that, that's the the closest to country uh like you were saying yeah
4: yeah so i mean you know it is yeah it feels like like i mean maybe just yeah giving it a little a, a, another airing that's cool that he did in the 90s because i don't think that it was a song that he came back to too much um but he must have had a a
3: soft spot for it um to some extent it looks like literally he played it according to you know, who knows if setlist FM uh the stats are reliable, but uh nine times in eighty three, twice in eighty four, once in ninety-four, right. which would be that yeah. show, and yeah. that's it. Yeah. So it wasn't
4: one that he was he was too too ready to go back to. But yeah, no, I mean I I actually always think of that as one of my favorites from Legendary Hearts. I'm always
3: kind of like like, Oh yeah, this one's on here. This is good. Um there's a lot of gold on legendary arts. Uh, it's just it uh, like I was saying, a lot of it just kind of flies on the yeah. radar, and doesn't stick out in my, you know, in my brain, just stationed where it is in his career for whatever reason. Yeah. It's not like uh, yeah. I Love You, Suzanne or the original <laughs> rapper, you know, the real the real classics from the, that era.
4: Or Sally Can't Dance, which is, yeah, you know, they they go back to Sally Can't that's Dance. That's,
3: that's fucking I Love You, Suzanne of the 70s. <laughs>
2: There's a woman in it. Uh I Love You Suzanne is the uh kind of the opposite of Sally can't he does dance. Not
3: love Sally. I, that's like the lobotomized version of Sally can't dance. No Sally
2: can't dance is the lobotomized version. Yeah. It, it's the version that has like brain death because of God knows what yeah,
4: rape, murder, I believe he covers it. Drugs. Drugs
3: tie-dye jeans. jeans
2: i don't know what the last time i was that you listened to uh, i love you suzanne because that song is about how uh, now i'm back to let you know that i can really make romance
4: do what you want to do
2: you know that that's a song of, of triumphant uh love so that's
3: right so is sally Can dance sally Can
4: not so much sally Can dance is is you know i mean it's up there with lou reed's most vicious uh to use a pun, um, his most vicious songs. Yeah. It is like yeah. the the most, like, well, I don't know. I mean, maybe I, mean, I was listening to it and I was like, well, maybe it's not as, like, I mean, like, like he's sort of like, like rock on Sally. Like this, this woman is doing, yeah, she's,
3: uh, you know, doing uh, her own yeah. thing.
4: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know.
2: Yeah. Uh, it's, <laughs> maybe I, I was listening to it and I was just like, I'm usually the one to be the devil's advocate on these types of things. And I was kind of just like, well, this is basically a vile song about hatred. <laughs> it seems like it's sort of a voodoo doll of a song where like some woman slighted him and he just uh wrote this as some kind of black magic. I hope all
4: this happens to you. Yeah, yeah. This
2: kind <laughs> Yeah. Because yeah. it it sounds like it could be about Nico. It sounds like it could be about Edie Sedgwick. Right. It sounds like it could be about Apparently
3: yeah, I mean I think Edie Sedgwick is the
4: hmm. legend that it's about I don't
2: think she ever wore tie-dye.
4: <laughs> she didn't might not you know, have made it that far. Could be covering his ass on that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean yeah. But I but I mean this version, I mean if we if we remove remove sort of those those bad feelings. I mean, it, the band sounds really good on it.
0: Patty dances on the floor. She said that she can't do it anymore. She lives up on same Mark's Place, and he's dancing. Please, now, it can't dance no more, can't get it open more, Sally can't dance no more, oh, said can't do it no more.
3: It has a good groove. I do like this song to me. I'd like the dumbass way that it sounds on the record. Like it's a dumbass song and I think it's supposed to sound dumb and like it it sounds too cool here uh, in some ways. And strangely, the second Sally can't dance song in the first seven songs. That's true. It's a it's it's an odd uh, it's an odd one for him to be like, there's no street hassle. There's no bells. There's no uh, growing up in public. There's not like nothing that he's done recently. Uh, Ed, but for whatever reason, he's doing fully a quarter of Sally. Maybe can if you dance. talk
4: to that diehard uh, Lou Reed Italian Italian fan, he'll be like, "Hey, Sally can't dance." Favorite. Dance. <laughs> I love it when a
2: Sally can dance.
4: <laughs> <laughs> something like that.
2: Uh, he he does a few things that he says Sally cannot dance no more. Or he Sally does
3: cannot dance like, no more. Yeah. He's got some great vocal tics on this. I, did, I, I noticed listening back to a couple. I, it's not on Sally Can Dance, but there's a couple times where he pronounces "work" as like "hoi, yeah. yeah, you know, it's yeah. like a CC. It's Oik like it. in
2: CCR. Hoid it through the grapevine. Hoit it through. Right.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, it sounded like it sounded Hoid like it.
3: Long Island shit to me. Yeah, who knows what John Fogarty's
4: thinking? Yeah, where is he from, John? Fogarty? He's from the Bay Area, but he's pretending Fogarty's he's from, from the Bayou. He has a fantasy fantasy about about some some place he's never been. Uh, Lou had been to Long Island in New Jersey. (laughs) That's
3: right. He spends a little time time in that area from what I understand. All right. I can't dance. Um, Sally can't dance. You you know it. You love it, folks. (laughs) we've got, uh, then we get some Blue Mask material. Finally, uh, Waves of Fear and Average Guy, two great choices as far as I'm concerned, and two of my favorite tracks, both on that record and on this record as well, because those songs just kick ass.
4: Yeah, I mean, Waves of Fear is one that I love imagining in this big, you know, huge space, because it is like, I mean, the guitars are like symphonic, almost, like sort of like insane Uh, kind of overtones happening with whatever Quine is doing there and that big bass line. Um, and yeah, Fernando's bass just like fucking like
3: crashing over. Yeah,
4: yeah I like it as like this horrifying arena rock song.
3: Waves of fear spot on the floor
0: Looking for some milk The liquor is gone But took from my nose be my cold heart free Waves of fear I'm too scared
1: of fear! Waves of fear! Waves of fear! Waves of fear!
0: I'm too afraid to use phone on. Too afraid to turn the lights on I'm So afraid I've lost control on. Stop it with that word. Crazy with sweat. Spill on my jaw. What that funny noise? Who's mad at the door? Waves of fear! Pulsing Terror. I jump at my own step, I creep at my tremors, I hate my own smell, I know where I must be, I must be in hell, wait.
4: You know, like people people yelling and singing along with it, but it's like a very, <laughs> uh, you know, nervous. Song.
3: Yeah, you imagine this. This works really well in Italy because no one actually knows right. what he's talking about, and you're just like, hell yeah, yeah this is rocks. rock music, baby! And meanwhile, he's like recounting a a, a narrative of whiskey sort of an alcoholic like nightmare. That's <laughs> great, <laughs> exactly.
4: But done in a very, you know, intense and uh, you know, sort of. Like vaguely triumphant way too. I mean, it's got like this very like Absolutely. anthem oh, totally. anthem quality to it, but it's like like I am hitting hitting the bottom of the barrel here, bottoming out. There, those are companion pieces, I think. Yeah,
2: I, this version of Waves of Fear is really good, although it is, as I've noticed on a couple other occasions of them playing it live, it's a little fast, um, which you know I. I think they pull it off yeah. really well, but I kind of like it with a little bit more of like a chug, chugging pace. Right. Um
3: I like the sped up thing when he when he delivers the line. I'm crazy too crazy so the like th- yeah. it almost sounds like he's about to like start like rapping. Sounds like it, uh, like a Gilbert and Sullivan or something. <laughs> it's great.
1: Um
2: I am the very model of a modern major general.
4: Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a great one. Um, And he, you know, I don't, he, he played this one a little bit in the, in the future, but this is probably once Quine was away, it probably lost its, its, its mojo. Um, I mean,
3: yeah i'm looking at the numbers again uh 83 84 85 he played it a bunch didn't hardly played it at all for the rest of his career except for he brought it back 13 times in 2011 right at the very end which uh is interesting to uh think about him returning to in the era. things things got weird in
4: that period i feel like there was like there were a lot of strange deep cuts that somebody in his band was was whispering to him um And yeah. So, I mean, bringing back waves of fear at that point is, is interesting. I mean, I feel like, you know, the, the, the thing that's missing from, from this record from, for me is that there's no version of the blue mask, which I don't think he did until maybe the 2000s.
2: Yeah, he said, I think, in interviews um, that it was a difficult song to perform um, (laughs) because of the... I wonder why. Well, the the emotional... Subject matter. Just the tenor of it is so... How do you just jump into that? It's like asking an actor to, you know, break into like scream crying and, yeah. and make it convincing it's, yeah it's a really tall order. and i'd say
4: yeah i mean i i've heard maybe versions from like the ecstasy tour or something like that and uh, it it doesn't it doesn't reach the you know like i mean no. maybe maybe there are versions that exist that i just yeah. haven't heard but like it's it's all sort of like like he, you know, if you haven't heard them, that yeah. <laughs> down a little
2: bit. I don't think they exist because I've also uh, tried to find that, and I've been there. You know, times I was really searching for like live version of Blue Mask, and the version that you get on that uh, on the Ecstasy tour, and I think even later, um, tends to be more like uh, kind of like his version of like, see that my grave is kept clean, or
4: yeah, or, it's like uh, a low kind of it's like, like it's brung. cool you know
2: it's bluesy yeah anyway, but yeah it's low tea. low slung it's not low <laughs> t it it's, it's high t low register yeah.
4: okay yeah it would be i mean you know you listen i mean you listen to that performance on the blue mask and i mean it's understandable it is like it feels like something that maybe couldn't or shouldn't happen again uh so it's, it's
3: like, <laughs> it shouldn't happen it's, again it's, it's intense
4: <laughs> so yeah instead of instead of that we get average guy um, Which is easier to perform, I suppose <laughs> That's right
0: I ain't no Christian Oh no morning saint. I ain't no criminal No no Marxist VA I ain't no cowboy Ripping cripple from the right I am just your average guy Trying to do what's right I'm just your average guy Oh your average guy I'm just your average guy your average guy I an average guy, I'm just your average guy I'm average looking and I'm average inside I got an average place, I live in an average face You wouldn't recognize me if you met me face to face I'm just your average guy Your average guy Baby, just your average guy your
3: average guy. also sped up a little bit and this one uh just like on waves of here which i actually really love the you know kind of uh one and a half times version this one i think sings you know kicked kicked in the ass yeah, a little bit cool. and just like rolling yeah. along
4: yeah no i like i mean i i think this is i i probably put this above the 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 album version um i think it's like yeah just a just a fun like I don't know. I mean, yeah, I've always kind of liked this song. I mean, it goes along with sheltered life and things like that, that are these kind of like Mm. Lou Reed's uh, Normie songs. Um, And (laughs) he,
3: he, you know, he pulls it off in
4: in very charming fashion.
3: (laughs) It's good. That's right. It's always, it's never going to stop being fascinating to me, like how, how like amazingly he captured lightning in a bottle here with this band and this songwriting just like world that he was in, in 82, 83, and then just junking all of it immediately. (laughs) And like, you know, uh, he, and you know, he ends up getting to New York by the end of the eighties, but like, there's a whole, there's a whole, you know, lost half. It's a weird time.
4: I mean, yeah. I mean, his band definitely, you know, I mean, he, he, I mean, Quine toured with him for, the new sensations tour. He's not on that record, but he hired Quine right. maybe to punish Quine. I'm not sure exactly what the, uh, <laughs> the idea was there, but um,
3: make, make
4: Robert Quine. Yeah. Play on, uh, on doing State. the things that we want to and things like that. I mean, there's good stuff on, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a new sensations booster. I, I like that record a lot, Um, but it is sort of a, I mean, I think it is just, you know, the circumstances of the 1980s that, that made a uh, certain, you you had to do certain things. Um if you were a certain type of musician that you could not I mean the fact I mean I guess the fact that a record like this exists, the record like Live in Italy exists is is just sort of a a good um you know that we're fortunate that he wasn't drawn directly into having like a saxophone player and an accordion player and a cheesy what? keyboard <laughs> player um immediately in the eighties. Um but again, yeah. I mean I, I I will, you know if you get, get enough uh, uh, light beer in me, then I probably would um, try to make a case for mistrial and new sensations too. <laughs> oh boy! It's That's, possible.
3: You're, uh, it's, uh, you're, you're stepping on Evan territory at that point. Uh, Mistrial secretly the best Lou Reed album. I do days. like it. You
2: know, we you <laughs> saw that the thing, right, Ian, today about in Rolling Stone? Oh, uh,
4: were they saying like the the worst albums by brilliant artists or something? No, I didn't see this. Did is it you say it, Mistrial? That, was that what it was? Uh,
2: yeah. yeah. Guess what else they said? Uh, g- you can probably
3: Knocked guess. Out loaded. Actually, the other one down in the groove. Yeah, it's down in the groove. Right. They
2: I mean, actually is... did say Knocked Out Loaded was redeemed by having uh Brownsville Girl.
3: But hey, they Listen, Brownsville they, Girl, they... drifting too far from shore? Yeah, this guy They killed soccer. him. It's a banger. They
2: threw um latest record project on that list. They wow. did. Latest
3: latest record project is at least better than whatever the one from last year was called. Uh the Skiffle what's, Project. What's it going to take? No, 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 that's this year. Oh, that's this year. Last year was uh the What what was that one called? What's it going to take, right? What's it gonna uh, take? What's it gonna take? Yeah. yeah, that one. That was the real dregs. Yeah, Evans uh, very I mean, they're excited clearly for I'm
4: moving projects. on
2: Skiffle. Yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> You're gonna have to write a long, uh, you know, letter to the editor to to Rolling Stone and correct them on these things.
3: Um, you can do it. <laughs> that's why. That's why you. we exist. You know, yeah, we're, we right. we need Rolling Stone to exist so that we have somewhere to, uh, you know, a, a Batman right. to our Joker.
4: Yeah. yeah, I mean, they're just trying to upset people. Come on.
3: Yeah, no. they don't okay. know fucking anything. Um, well, bringing it in for a close here towards the end. Uh, losers rolling out the hits at this point. I mean, White this light. band playing White Light, White Heat is fucking it. Rock. I, I don't know what to say. It rocks. I love to hear this. Yeah, yeah, it's a good version. Um, and definitely
4: like, I mean, this is Quine. You know, I mean, he. He must be so stoked to be playing white light, white heat with the yeah. fucking lead.
3: You know, like how how much cooler does it get?
4: I mean, he was there at the the Matrix in 1969 seeing them play it. So I mean, he's got like something in his head that he's like, like, I need to make it at least something along those lines. Um yeah. so he's 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 working working the song out. Um but it is it it is also funny to me. I mean, we have again, we have Fernando Saunders playing the song. And Fernando, I mean, I don't know if you guys have delved into Fernando's uh, pre-Lou career, but it's, you know, it's full jazz fusion. Um, He's, you know, he's like a chopsy musician and he's playing like this uh, speed freak garage song. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, I mean, at the same time, I'm like, he sounds good and he sounds like he pulls it off. He's enjoying himself he's you know having fun playing the stuff living up to the legacy of doug yule <laughs> he's just he's just jamming it out um but yeah no this is great and it has it yeah the 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 end of it is
3: awesome he, yeah when you just break down into the shredding it, towards break the end down. it's just like come on that's that's rock songs baby like going on my mind. don't you know it's making me go die? why he going to my toes
1: oh,
4: yeah and then, yeah, I guess it's a velvet underground you know side this is side three I think of these a bonanza yeah it,
3: exactly i mean it, this is it' like hit, goes hit after, it's after hit, some kind of love slash sister Ray yeah this I mean this is the way yeah, this he, is wild. like yeah, the way he melds these together, and you sent us that video of this yeah right. uh, of the the two of the of uh, I mean I, that's the great. whole band, but most of it is just like a close up on Lou with Quine yeah. just noodling in the background it's. It's just like it, it's so badass.
4: Quine looking very, very cool and collected, but but uh, destroying um, a lot of this. I mean, this is fun. You know, it is kind of a. It's interesting that this came out because I mean, at this point, you wouldn't have even been able to, unless you were a bootleg fiend. In 1983, you wouldn't have. There would be no. There were no live versions of Sister Ray available to you. Um, That's a good point. Yeah. So I mean, this was like <laughs> you know a, maybe even just like like a different you know people weren't versed in yeah those matrix tapes or the boston tea party or anything like that so it's like this is this is like a unique situation for the most part um is just having and, having this like very skronky, you know i mean sister ray on white light white, white heat is very skronky, but you don't get the live stuff so
3: yeah and that maybe ex- explains a little bit more about like why this set list is the way that it is. Because uh, at the time, you know, you would not have been able to hear a lot of this. Material. even some kind of love, you know, yeah. I don't think would have been very.
4: Yeah, I mean, is a lot it, of stuff.
3: I, I forget if it's on one of like, is it on? Uh, the I don't think he played the record. It or
4: it's on. Yeah, it's on 1969. Um, okay, he, he he didn't do it solo very much at all. I don't think. Uh, so, I mean, it's, yeah, it would be sort of a a unique thing. And it is, I mean, like the whole thing is, I mean, this version of some kind of love is very different from what you would have heard on the third record or even the 1969 live. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot more menacing, a lot more, um, you know, like intense. So it makes sense when it goes into sister Ray where you're like, okay, they've, they've made it, made it somehow. Um, but yeah, no, I love this. I mean, what is it? Is it 15 minutes? 15, 15 minutes. That's. It's an epic, epic jam. That's In what you're looking for. 1983, which you know, people weren't doing this sort of like extreme raw rock and roll at that point. Nope. You know like they were not. <laughs> nobody. I don't think anybody had, had was doing this.
1: Da-di-cha-cha-cha
0: Oh, no, 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 cha-da-cha-cha Oh, now, baby, da-di-cha-cha
4: Again, I just love Sister Ray being played in a um, Roman Coliseum. Roman Ruin, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tuck out of the inside. They took it for the down fight. Who's there in Amishrae? You're thinking of the people. Oh, you shouldn't do that. Don't you know you stay in a carpet?
1: Oh, man, don't you know
0: you stay in a carpet? Ain't that just like Sister Ray said? I'm searching for my midnight.
1: who but I couldn't hit it sideways. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't hit it, hit it sideways
0: without a bow. You're just like Sister Ray said.
2: I mean, and the white light, white heat also is like, you really feel them kind of locking into what feels like, as you said earlier, like Holy scripture. It's like, they are suddenly just, um, all on the same page. And it's actually one of the more beautiful moments where it, it feels like, um, they're all trying to make this thing come alive that they all know and love so well. It feels very like, you know, it's like, you can just tell the comfort level of the musicians is like right there. Yeah, this song. is
3: this is the closest thing you get to, you know, a Velvet Underground mm-hmm. reunion until up until the Velvet Underground reunion. And in some ways, this sounds more like the Velvet Underground than the Velvet Underground reunion did.
4: I might Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, and it's it, it, and again, like, I mean, one of the things that's that's great about Quine being on this is not even that he's necessarily always doing the, you know, like uh intense shredding sometimes he's just doing that strum thing but that that strum thing is like obviously was a huge part of what the velvet underground was that twin guitar strum um, sort of like the blurry thing that they're doing and he knows that and lou probably is like oh yeah i do remember that but that never happens in his solo work you know like there's he didn't work with up until this point like he didn't like he wasn't like i need a rhythm guitar player um uh, yeah. he was it was always like i just i need a hot shot guitar player who can you know do the solos when they come in but i think quine is is like is like oh no like part of what makes the velvet underground and lou Reed's songs you know what they are is that weird kind of like locked in two guitar uh strum sure. um, so he's 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 on it in a lot of the stuff i think that comes across maybe in the rock and roll too like the The one that closes it is just like it's a strum fest
1: <laughs> nobody's really doing like
4: nobody's like doing a doing a solo they're just like like looking at each other and glaring at each other probably and right, yeah. um playing playing sweet sweet uh bar chords
3: together S- sweet strums yeah. yeah you almost wonder like is this lou trying to like reclaim the Velvets at this point because you know so much of his work up until this point, up until Blue Mascara, has been a conscious like move away from his legacy, yeah. and the way that band sounded, the way it looked, the way those songs were written, uh, in very different directions. You know, at different points of that time frame, but like it does sort of seem like he's really kind of like coming back to it now. I guess so. Hilarious. Just,
4: for, yeah, just for a minute though. I mean, cause yeah. Yeah, I mean like, like in a year he's going to sound as far away from the velvet underground as he ever did. As know? he ever does. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it must've been something where he was like, Oh yeah, yeah, I, I, I can do that. But like I've, I was that guy. Yeah, <laughs> I was that guy. I did it and I can, I can move on from that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he, he obviously, yeah, he has a complicated relationship with the velvet underground. Um, but he, yeah, this this is probably one of his most like, like accepting of that sound and that approach as he as he got in a lot of cases. Yeah, yeah. and that's yeah. really
2: what you want to see, I think, as like a a, a general like an a average guy fan your average uh, your average Lou Reed fan. fan yeah is that you want to see him like t- having some joy with the the classic material and yeah. actually like engaging with it earnestly and um you, know, you do really get that on here
3: and Yeah, it does not feel like he's going in in. Emotions by any means you know? no. It feels like he's playing these songs because he wants to They they are, you know, the most famous Most well-known Lou Reed songs But he's playing them because he wants to Because he has something to do with them Instead of just, you know, doing it because he has to
2: That Some Kind of Love is really I mean, aside from being the obvious centerpiece For how long it is It's really an inspired uh, medley Or combo of Some Kind of Love Which is uh, Some Kind of Love is like an under sung song and definitely one that doesn't come to mind for most people when they think of Lou Reed um, off the top of their head.
3: Comes but, to mind for me.
2: Well, Lou Reed
4: podcaster. Yeah, it's not a greatest it's, hit, but I mean, it is like, yeah, I mean, it's stone probably. Stone cold classic off the third uh, uh, Velvets.
2: There's a, th- a collection called between thought and expression that, and that always stuck with yeah. me that that, that line feels you know, very. Yeah.
4: Unique. I mean, I think he was super proud of that particular I mean, I think he's proud of that lyric in general, which, you know, rightfully so. It's like I mean, it is like a perfect perfect song. Um and yeah, I mean, I think the only the only thing that on this on this version that I'm always like like, oh, okay, is when he starts doing the um like he starts bellowing sort of the la di da at the end. Like, la-ta-ta-ta-ta. La-ta-ta-ta-ta. <laughs> you're like that. you're like, all right. <laughs> we're getting we're getting hyped, getting hyped uh, up. Um, uh, but yeah, no, the sister Ray, and yeah, I'd say anybody who's listening to this podcast should seek out that YouTube of uh, the um, this performance. Uh, yeah, we'll throw it up on the, not only for the yeah not somewhere not only for the just the band itself, but you do get some shots of these diehard Italian Lou Reed fans who are getting mm-hmm. very into it by just kind of boogieing <laughs> to Sister Ray um, and enjoying it, and probably about to start a riot. I believe that that did happen later on in the show beautiful that there was gate crashing and tear gas and things like that so
3: boy, i guess that was just in the air over there because the, the bob slain riot was 84 That's right yeah. this was the the uh italy riot in 83 they were just you know everyone was getting into the uh american rock and rollers over you had there.
4: to you had a gate crash you had to do, right. do those things and then the, the the police had to had to bash your head in
3: Hopefully, people didn't die at this one like they did at the. <laughs> yeah, at the, I, I at don't the slain, think so, but I do think performance.
4: I, I think that maybe Quine later said that the version of heroin here, which is jumping ahead, oh well, just one song, but is they were like being basically tear gassed during it. Um, Jesus. So, like it was nobody could see. Everybody was, you know, it's very very intense experience for them. Um, yeah. Which comes? Well, across
3: we can. We can't jump forward to heroin because <laughs> we, The only song in walk- yeah. there, there is "Wild Side," <laughs> which I will say sounds amazing. Fernando fucking just destroys it with the bass guitar on this. Like, that <laughs> that is—you had to give that it that to is him. incredible.
0: Candy came from out on the island. In back room, she was everybody's darling. But she never lost
4: her head when she was her- he does it uh, i would say that this is I, I think walk on the wild side is the one because i mean the things i've read quine was always like i hate this record i don't like live right. in italy like <laughs> like it doesn't sound good and um i mean i think he sounds good on on walk on the wild side but you you can tell the solo at the end where he's sort of supposed to take the the sax solo uh part there is like he's maybe scrambling and right. i've heard i've heard other you know recordings of him playing that solo and he like kills it like he really nails the nails it and maybe that maybe that's what's on it i i sort of imagine that's what's on his mind where he's like you had to pick that version of that song so like, just this like, particular
3: right instance just fuck it. it up yeah,
4: yeah yeah i mean he was probably being tear gassed it's hard to play <laughs> guitar when you're being tear gassed
3: it seems difficult <laughs> <laughs>
4: doesn't sound doesn't sound easy
3: but yeah uh, but if Heroin. Was, yeah i mean yeah, it's, it's just the hits keep coming
4: apparently apparently this this the 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 band did not they they this was an an improv like lou was like lou is like we're doing heroin and um taught the band you know i mean obviously quine and obviously it's two chords it's not like it's gonna be that hard to do but like um they it was not it was not a song that was in their repertoire it might have been the only time they played it interesting Um, so it was you know so this was this is the first time lou had sung a heroine in a while probably um,
3: uh, yeah I'm looking at it yeah it looks like two plays in all of 83 and there hadn't been okay, anything since 80 um, right so it had been three years since and then after this he's gonna play it like five times until like the mid 90s and then yeah I mean I think I again see. probably
4: probably same with the blue mask I feel like it is a song that maybe requires a lot of him um, right and is something that he doesn't necessarily want to overdo. Um, but this version is great. I mean, it's a great, like, like rock version of it. It's very, like...
3: Very heavy, yeah. Very heavy.
4: It feels like it's, you know, on the verge of going off the rails, which, is, you know, I mean, that's how the song should go, probably.
3: Totally. Yeah, not quite as whacked out as that, uh, the Roxy version from 76 <laughs> that you can hear on that Thought and Expression <laughs> that's right. um, yeah. collection, which, if you haven't heard it, you know, Run, Don't Walk. That is... Yeah, some true space age rock and roll jazz fusion. Um, but uh, I mean, it sounds great.
4: Yeah, this one's good. And I, yeah, I mean, I guess we haven't even mentioned. I mean, we've talked about the other the other band members, but this is Fred Fred Mayer on the drums Mayer, here. Yeah. Um, and he's he's a good. I mean, I feel like he, you know he's extremely straightforward. Um, I don't know what his experience with the Velvet Underground would have been. Um, he he was like Quine's kind of go-to drummer.
3: He was the guy they brought in. He was not on the Blue Mask, right? They brought him in on Legendary yeah, Blue Hearts. Mask, yeah. And like, like, I think the Blue Mask is Dwayne, someone, Dwan, someone. Okay. that might be right. Um, but I mean, he fits in with the sound. Just fun.
4: I mean, he ends up on New York. He plays with Blue later on, um, and then he, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he produces the first Luna record too. So mm-hmm. he's 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 around.
3: Well, he's been around.
4: Um, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, he's, I, I feel like he's, you know, he's, he's great for this, this band. He's not obviously not doing flashy things at this point, but he's like, he is holding it all together and, um, doing that. Like again, yeah. I mean, like moving away from Lou's seventies where he sort of got increasingly busy drummers and everything. Um, this was like, I mean, he's not, doing Motucker tucker but he's maybe doing a version of moe tucker
3: closer to moe tucker and then played with in quite a while yeah for sure
2: who so. is wait, who's the drummer what's his name again
3: fred Mayer. Fre- Mayer. Yeah. Uh, hmm. uh, yeah he was in scritty on his uh wikipedia page. in scritty
4: yeah he was in material too he played with bill laswell a lot i think material wasn't fred
2: frith in that
4: I mean, a lot of people were in there. Am I making that up? Maybe he wasn't in Material. <laughs> no, he
3: is in Material. Okay, he is. The, okay. The material uh, Wikipedia I'm not page. making she that said, up. It said he's he was in uh, Massacre, The Dance, Material, Scritti Politti, Tour Palidia. with Lou, and then also did uh, uh, this solo record with Quine. In, That's right. Like, he's on Basic. Basic, yeah. exactly, which I have not listened to, actually. It's a cool title it's like it's like average guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, normal music i don't know
4: what it meant back then i mean i don't know if that was necessarily like a, a derogatory term um it's a cool record
2: we should do sort of like a canon of norm core albums like like album by um uh, or whatever it's is it just called album the public image limited
4: record Public image
2: there's also yeah. uh of course latest record project there's album by girls so, record project um <laughs> But uh, it you. I was just gonna say about the drumming, you can tell that he has kind of this post punk pedigree that um comes through yeah, just in the way I'm that sure. he attack uh, attacks the songs. Like, there's some um, you know, you can just tell when somebody's like he's I mean, no uh, those Charlie Jones. Drayton or whatever. It's like <laughs> it's it's not like like jazz guy doing like rock and roll or whatever. Yeah. It's just it feels really um of its moment with that kind of spiky um fluttery sharp drumming which is yeah. I,
4: I really think is quite good which is what we i mean you know in the in this uh john cale comes alive i feel like you get the same i feel like he was probably telling his drummer to do less and less it was like like mm-hmm. you know, less fills more straight ahead and yeah,
3: sound like you're worse at the drums than you really are, please. <laughs> yes, please. Although, you know, I mean, it's hard. You, you try to get people to play
4: those Ramon songs in the, in the correct fashion, and you realize that that drummer is, is uh, you know, Tommy is, is incredible. That's a fair point. Um,
3: I mean, it's hard. It's just attitude. It takes a lot of attitude. That's right. Just as much about attitude as it is about the technical jumps. Totally. Uh, and then, uh, well, we wrap up here great rock and roll record what else do you want it's rock and roll rock and roll i love this this is so good
4: yeah it feels feels like a good release after heroin for sure like it's just sort of you know the great and yeah like again like just that that two guitar strum that they're doing yeah that strum really comes
3: through on this and rock and roll to me on like unloaded and anytime and oftentimes when lou plays it always sounds or often sounds kind of like corny and like almost like satellite of love uh you know kind of level uh but this is like you know i i illustrating like there's some real serious bones to this song that work you know when he's in the right state of mind for it
4: and yeah i mean he's he's going for it i mean the vocals are are ext- you know i love the i mean i think at some point he's like reeling and a rocking or something. Yeah.
3: And he's, and when, then he grows in upti- yeah, he's uptight. uptight yeah. You. Fucking um, I love that. Moment. that's maybe my favorite, like single. It's great. Yeah. I mean, it feels very, you
4: know, it feels earned after all this, like the sort of release from all that. So, um, yeah, it's a good way to, good way to end it. Um, rock and roll. It's a rock and roll rock record. And roll.
3: Rock and roll. That's right. The rock, you know, he's a rock and roll animal. Yeah. Well, he's got
2: a rock and roll animal. Uh, for hire uh, next to him throughout this whole show. So he can afford to be the average guy. Yeah,
3: exactly.
4: I mean, it is crazy. It does. It does. I mean, I can't help but just like feel, you know, slightly disappointed that there wasn't more Lou Reed, Robert Quine collaboration, Mm -hmm. that they couldn't kind of like find some way to do it. That wasn't necessarily as sort of hot house as it clearly was like between the two of them. Like, it seems like they could have, you know, maybe not. in in a touring band or you know like but Quine I mean you know as difficult as Lou Reed obviously could be I think Quine was just as difficult you know I mean I think he was he was a strong strong personality
3: (laughs) yeah it seems like he also just kind of like floated around and popped up you know brief moments you know for the rest of his career there's that Matthew Sweet record that we've talked about a couple times and obviously he played with um uh, the voidoids for a couple years he really and, didn't do, do that, that much stuff though for a couple of years, but
4: i think he was he's exactly, a weird yeah. level of um perfectionism ego to some extent i mean you know he knew he was one of the best guitar players out there but he uh did not want to deal with things that didn't live up to his standards it seems like and lou at some point wasn't going to yeah. live up to his standards either which is must have been in some ways like a crushing experience for him (laughs) you know Uh,
1: yeah
2: yeah it's um it's sort of uh it's clear that he's not just a guitar guy like you know a guitar hero like virtuoso type he's truly just he's an artist with a guitar
4: he saw the whole picture yeah he's
2: he's really i mean he has an actual an artistic perspective he's not just executing parts and um with that comes this whole uh you know you get maybe more than you bargain for when you work with someone like that because to his credit he he's um a really a fully fledged artist of his own right like and he he's going to bring that kind of Vision and rigor to his work, and yeah, more
3: of a more of a presence in the creation of the music than Lou might have been looking for. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, as we saw with John, as we saw ultimately with his relationship with Michael Finfara, um You know, it uh, yeah. at, at a certain point, you just you gotta <laughs> if you're gonna yeah. stick with him, you gotta take a, take a step back. Yeah,
4: yeah, I think and Quine, Quine was saying like that. Quine's- I mean, Quine would say that you know that. Lou wanted to be surrounded by yes men, you know, like people who would who who would tell him that he was great and tell him that, you know, his ideas were exactly right. And Quine wasn't going to be that guy. Um, yeah. And, you know, he was he was uh, completely his personality did not allow for that to be the case. But it is, it is one of those things where you're like, it's too bad because, I mean, obviously they they could have. Could have made a lot of music together, and could have, you know, at least done that. But I guess we're lucky that we have, at least, the Blue Mask and Live in Italy as sort of the. I'd say, that, you know, those two are the the sort of pinnacles of their collaboration. Legendary Hearts feels like it's this missed thing for, for at least Quine heads.
3: That's right. Yeah, it's, it's uh it's half of Robert Quine uh, or Robert Quine just turned down. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> to to two. Yeah. Um. Speaking of which two stars for me for Lou Reed, Lime in Italy.: Reed, Lime in Italy. two two um spicy meatballs for
4: mm. me. Two Spicy okay. meatballs. I forget you do this out, out of three out of three. <laughs> okay, I'll go with two.
2: Nice, okay.
4: I think it's I think it's very you know like I mean for anybody, I feel like it is just sort of like a, it's, it is just because of the fact that it wasn't released out here um, if you, and, and it's not even you know like on the like box set, the RCA box set that came out. Whenever that was 10 years ago or something, it's not included on that. It has everything from, you know, 1972 through 1988 or whatever. Uh, and it's got all the other. Live it's got every. Stuff. Yeah, it has it has all the live stuff, um, but it doesn't have this. So it's sort of like this, you know, stepchild of the catalog, but you should find it. I think it's streaming, right? It's on Spotify. I think it's streaming. Yeah, um, it's worth worth it.
3: Absolutely worth the spin. Well, I'm glad we could do it some justice here tonight. Thank you so much for joining us, Tyler. Uh, I'm sure a lot of folks out there already know, but if they don't, where can they find you online? Um, I'm at Doom and Gloom from the Tomb.
4: That's a There's a Tumblr site, and then also there's a Substack site. Now. A Substack now. There you go. There you go. Um, so there's there's that, and then Aquarium Drunkard as well. So if you're... If you're looking around for, for that sort of thing, that's, that's in you, doom and gloom. You can find all kinds of uh, shitty Lou
3: Reed audience recordings. <laughs> <laughs> stuff that sounds like it that's, was recorded on tin cans and strings. Just that's something you're like into, it. like me. Well, uh, thank you again for joining us. Uh, and uh, folks out there, join us next time. Uh, we're going flip, to uh, flip gears, and Tyler's going to stick with us. Uh, we're going to talk about... Lou Reed's counterparts from the Velvet Underground uh, and his live recording adventures around this time. You're going to have to stay tuned on Patreon for that. Jokerman.
0: Five years old, there's nothing happening at all. Every time she puts on the radio, no, nobody's doing it at all. One fine morning she puts on New York Station, I can't believe what her at all. She started dancing to that fine, fight, fine, fight, fine,
1: fight, fine.